Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Girl of Gen Z podcast. I'm your host, Clarissa, and joining me today is Shannon Rugani, also known as Empress. Today, Shannon shares with us what it was like being one of the youngest members of the San Francisco Ballet and performing with the ballet for 11 years. As her talents developed, she did move to New York City, where she performed on Broadway as the lead in the Tony Award-winning production of An American in Paris. As of late, she has moved into singing and songwriting, but admits she will never stop dancing. Before we go ahead with the episode, if you could kindly take two minutes to rate this podcast five stars and leave a review on the podcast app, that would be very much appreciated. And if you're watching this on YouTube, if you could give the video a quick thumbs up, subscribe and hit the notification bell, I will forever be grateful. As always, the timestamps of the topics we cover in the episode will be listed in the episode show notes. But without further ado, let's get on into the episode. Welcome to the show, Shannon Rugani, aka Empress. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. Where are you located right now? Uh, I am in California. We just moved from San Francisco to Larkspur. So we're actually in like Marin County, which is beautiful today. Gorgeous. What's the season like? Um, We have, this is like the nicest time of the year in the Bay Area. It's like our Indian summer. So we actually have sunny, beautiful days. Like every day it's perfect. It's like 80 degrees and all the fires are out. Um, So that's great too. So we don't have like, we had a couple days where it was just like um, orange skies, like scary, you know, scary skies. So we're really grateful to have a blue sky today. We'll never take that for granted ever again. (laughs) For sure. And how did your move go to the new place? It was okay. Yeah, it was a little rough. um, But you know, moving is always hard. I've been in San Francisco for 18 years. So kind of moving out of the city was, you know, that was sad and emotional and um and then it's beautiful here so it actually made it much easier it's not like it was a downgrade or anything <laughs> right right do you feel like you're all settled now or do you still have quite yes. a bit of unpacking like as of this afternoon i'm doing my last load of laundry and now i'm like we're unpacked this what is a good so feeling. nice <laughs> it's amazing yeah so i'm super happy i had the deadline with our interview today and i just like hung everything on the walls and now we're like we're good so fun such now a I can relieving live. feeling. Yeah, for sure. And towards the end of the week too, you're like, oh, now I can just enjoy and yeah, totally. start this journey. I know. It's awesome. So thanks for asking that. So let's start with your upbringing. I know you just kind of touched on a little bit now. Mm-hmm. So where did you grow up and then where are you living now and kind of how long were you at each place? Yeah. So I grew up in this place called South Lake Tahoe, California, which is this mountain town. And I grew up you know, playing tennis and skiing and biking and swimming. And it's just like this gorgeous, um, it's a tourist town. So there's really not, um, like people, when they hear that I'm from Lake Tahoe, they're like, oh, I didn't realize that people actually live there. (laughs) So um, growing up there, there wasn't very much, you know, ballet um, training or dance lessons, really. It was like, there's few dance studios and dance schools. Um, and piano lessons and things. We had one really amazing teacher that we finally found when I was like, I want to say eight or nine, who was like Mary Poppins. She was the nicest person in the whole world. She made practicing so fun. It was so great. And basically, um, my music and ballet kind of took me to uh, San Francisco. So I auditioned for San Francisco Ballet School when I was, um, uh, how old was I? I was like 13. And I got a full merit scholarship to go to the summer intensive. And then they asked me after the summer intensive, they asked me to stay year round, which I did. So I actually moved in with my grandparents who are about an hour and a half away from San Francisco for a year. 
um, and commuted in. And it was like, that was um, an amazing year. And it was also super challenging because imagine like three hour transportation daily. Absolutely. Was that trains, just everything. intensive or was that? That was for year round. Yeah, okay. it wow. was, that was intense. And so, um, and I was homeschooled. So throughout all of this, I was like homeschooled. So I, I could do my homework around my dance and music schedule. And that was actually probably the reason why I could have been doing it, especially at such a young age. It's like, if you have so much on your plate, it's, it's just harder to get really good at one thing. So Absolutely. I had um, that schedule. We could like kind of work around my my private lessons, my dance training, you know, all that fun stuff. So I'd do my school in the morning. I'd bring whatever leftover I had on the train. I'd had, you know, bus ride and then a little short walk to the ballet school for a year. And then thank goodness I got hired in the San Francisco ballet when I was like 15, almost 16. It was um, um, really exciting. So I lived in San Francisco for 18 years really, but a little short stint in New York for like four years. We still have our place in, in New York. I mean, obviously we're not like, hey, it's 2020, so <laughs> we're not really going to to uh, travel right now. But um, we have a place in New York, which we love. And, um, and now we're in Larkspur. That's like my whole, you know, my landmarks of, wow. of where I lived growing up. And did any other ballerinas come from the town that you grew up? Or no, you were like no. the only one. I think I'm still, yeah, like I'm the only one that's ever really made it out of, of that um, small town. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> well, let's yeah. start with how old were you when you started dancing and then what yeah. genres did you eventually kind of grow into and, mm -hmm. and do? So I loved any kind of dance and there really wasn't that much ballet, to be honest, in, in Tahoe. There'd be like maybe a couple a week or something. And if you really want to get good at ballet, you have to do it every day. I mean, it's just like, that's just the way it works. So instead of doing ballet at first, I just would do anything that they offered. And so it was like, okay, I have three ballet classes a week. That's fine. But in between, I'm going to take a jazz class, hip hop, river dance, um, you know, like lyrical, modern, all the things that we, um, you know, the tap even, it was like, it was just really fun because, um, there was a limitation on like, cause I really loved ballet and I knew that's kind of what I wanted to do, but I was pretty, I mean, ballet was explained to me once, like it's the tabletop of dance. Like if you can do ballet and you have that structure, then like you can put the salt pepper, you know, plates, all the things. And those being jazz, lyrical tap, everything. So if you can do ballet, you're going to be a lot better at any other style of dance. Cause I, it's the hardest. I mean, I've tried everything and I'm pretty good at everything, but definitely my passion was ballet. Cause it was the most challenging. You're always striving for perfection and which is impossible. So it keeps you going, you know? <laughs> so absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, I started dancing when I was Five, but I cried the entire class and they kicked me out. <laughs> they were like, no, she's not ready for this at all. So they were just like, take her home and don't come back until she won't cry like the whole time. So I always joke I got kicked out of my first ballet class. You know, I was always a rebel or something. <laughs> I wasn't really, but I just cried. I was super, um, it was like going from like dancing around at, at your home where you have this freedom to all of a sudden having structure was just like, wait, you're taking all the fun out of dance. Like, why are we, 
why do we have to stand in lines and you know all that stuff that you don't have to do at home so i cried the whole time and a year later the teacher found me or not found me but saw me at the beach was super random and also a small town so classic and she sees me um with my family and she goes oh you look old enough to take dance classes again right like I think it's time for you to come back. And my parents enrolled me and they, um, they say that was like, they lost me that day. I was like, I was just, that's all I could do. That's all I wanted to do. I was that little kid that was just like, I had, uh, I was naturally gifted in a lot of ways. Like I'm super grateful for like having the right body type, but I was also just like so passionate about it. So like at seven, my mom asked me to write down my goals in life. Like, it was so cute. Um, I had three things <laughs> and I wrote it down. I was like, ballerina. Um, I want to be a singer and I wanted to be an actress. So I was like, very specific. You I knew what I wanted. Threat. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I just like knew that that was what I wanted very early on. And then that's kind of just that, that was the track. And we kind of built as we went. It wasn't like a track that was like paved for me or, you know, like built for me. It was, we had no idea what we were doing. I just knew I really loved it and I wanted to do it. And my, you know, whole life was sort of like fell into place as it went. It wasn't like, I kind of knew where I wanted to go. So we had to build it to get there. So it was interesting because I had no one to look up to in my family. No one dances professionally. They're all athletes, but they're, I mean, not ballet. It's a little bit different. Um, yeah. Very, Do you have yeah. siblings? Yeah. I have a younger brother and a younger sister. So I'm the oldest. Were you um, all homeschooled? We were all homeschooled. Um, all for your whole life? like My whole life I was homeschooled, but the my brother and sister, um, they went to, my sister went to middle school and my brother went to high school because they were super talented athletes. And so everybody wanted them on their teams. <laughs> so it was like this hard um, sell for my parents, you know, like, please give me your child for our tennis team or our ski team or whatever it was. It was just, there was, they were really talented. So, um, so they went to high school and at least a little bit of middle school. So do you think being homeschooled, um, changed might've changed maybe how you interacted with the other kids when you first got to your first dance class when you were so young? Like, do you think maybe that's why you cried? I don't know. Um, I think, yeah, probably. I think my parents were really, um, like, cause we had so much time in the car. My mom started like driving me to all these dance classes all over the, the Tahoe basin. And it, it was like a ton of time in the car. She started playing people skills books and like self-help books and stuff like to help me with my like personality development and kind of understanding how to deal with people and adults and like how to have like social real conversations. Yeah, totally. Which I, I'm so grateful for those years. I hated it. You know, of course, like my mom putting in a, like how to win friends and influence people or something. I was like, oh, I just want to listen to Spice Girls like all day, every day. And so she'd plug in these things and it was really cool because um, it helped me uh, kind of learn how to deal with human beings, which is something that we all have to do on a daily basis. And um, and it was, it was just a really helpful tool for, for me in homeschooling because it wasn't like I was like super awkward. I, but I was, it, I was pushed into, because it was a small town, 
I was always in the advanced classes. So I had to evolve faster because I was like seven dancing with like the 17 year olds. And it was like always like that. And I got hired in San Francisco ballet at 15 and all the other dancers are like 30, you know, and they're they're like in their late twenties. And so I was always the youngest. So it kind of, you know, like my best friend when I was nine was my ballet teacher was like 50, you know? So it was just, it was funny because my whole, you know, um, like age wasn't really like, a, it wasn't a, a factor. Huge, mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't a huge gap because it was sort of like, I was always just a sponge. I was learning from people, but I knew how to like, kind of have conversations, look in people's eyes, um, learn as much as I could, you know, and be just like the dry sponge that I was and absorb as much as I could. <laughs> right. <laughs> people. So when did you receive your first pair of point shoes? And then when did you Ooh. start point? Yeah, that's a great question. I love that. I haven't thought about this in so long. Oh my gosh, good memories. Um, I was nine. I fought so hard to get my point shoes because everyone said you couldn't have them until you were 12. And I was like mm. determined to get strong enough that they would like let me. And I finally found a teacher who would let me. And I was like, score. We're not going to tell any of the other teachers I'm doing this because they're like, your bones haven't developed. I was going to say, it's a strength strength thing, right? It's like, you can have a ton of, I was always more strong than flexible. So, so like, you know, my, my weakness was actually just like stretching and getting like longer and leaner, but like, I um, had a teacher who thought I was strong enough and I was, I was super strong, but my bones hadn't like, I hadn't grown. So like when I flash forwards, I was nine when I got them um, and I was fine. Like I put them on and never looked back. It was like awesome. The one problem was my skin doesn't callus. So they always promised that my, I wouldn't get blisters. I was like taping and putting band-aids on my toes until I retired. Like (laughs) it's like the whole career. They told me this would happen and it just isn't. But you know, my toes look normal now that I'm not dancing all the time. So thank you. Um, But I grew, my foot grew a half an inch after I, um, no wait, I grew a half an inch and my shoe size grew a whole size after I stopped wearing ballet shoes all the time, like point shoes. And it was like, it it was so weird because I was like, maybe my bones weren't developed when I was nine. And they, you know, now that I'm not binding my feet every day, (laughs) they grew. It was so weird. So so interesting. Yeah. So I, I don't know what, that's about and they say that your feet change and grow as you get older which Mm -hmm. they do but like to grow a size (laughs) it's crazy I went from size seven and a half when I first started ballet to um, a nine now not crazy do you think that like always putting so much pressure on your foot and all of that stunted that growth for a bit and then just I think so released over time that is so (laughs) interesting don't get me started. I'm like, what like is happening to my body? I'm growing. What is happening? <laughs> oh, so weird. I'm like, you know, I'm too old for this, but maybe not. So anyway, <laughs> <what's> that. <laughs> so how bad was the pain when you first started point? Did you like, were like, this is nothing like I ever expected. Were you icing every day? Yeah. Icing every day. Like I got an ice machine in my career because I would like fight for ice. It was so stupid. We had ice machines when I got into the company where they had ice machines. So that was awesome. And every once in a while, an ice machine would break and I still <gasps> needed my ice. And so they'd freeze it, you know, like old school cubes in the freezer and they'd like try and make enough for everybody. And I'd take 
like my normal, I'm like, I need to ice. Otherwise, like you will not see me tomorrow. <laughs> and, and it was like my ritual. And, um, and so I ended up getting in an argument with someone once. I was like, fine, I'll buy my own ice machine. And I had this damn ice machine, like in the ballet, we went on a tour to Paris, um, the year I was transitioning onto Broadway and the, the tour actually was in the same theater that we were opening the show on Broadway. Like it was, a what do they call it? Out of towns or whatever, where you, you open a show um, before you go to New York city, you open it out of town. So it has a little bit more time to like evolve. Okay. And then we were opening in the same theater. So I took my, I made friends with all the crew guys. They took my, my giant ice machine to Paris. And then um, we, I left it there and then I came back a couple months later to do American in Paris in Paris, which is amazing marketing. And then I made friends with the crew guys there and they brought it back to New York. And so I had this ice machine, like, and the day that I like said goodbye <laughs> to this, this is, I was so devastated. I was like, you have been the reason why I danced all these years. So yeah, I iced a lot. I wrapped my toes. I did um, exercises. I got injured a lot, but I'd always find a really awesome physical therapist or some sort of, there was always a way. I was told several times that my career was over by injuries. Um, and it was always uh, a little bit more like, all right, game on. Like, let's find a way to- Around it. Know. Yeah. Then there always is. That's Whether it's like a NASA scientist yeah. or like, you know, you're using like space medicine. <laughs> there's, there's, always, there's always a way. Right, right. So how big was this ice machine that you made them transport for you? <laughs> it was like, um, it was, It couldn't see. have been small. Like it could, it, it's probably. Yeah, it was, it was pretty big. I want to say it was like two feet tall and it was like two feet wide because it was a big square. And then they had, um, it might've been a little taller than that actually. It's like three feet tall and two feet wide. It was like a big thing. Do you still have it? it? Was, no, I gave, I left it. In New York, when I left the Broadway show, I was like devastated. I was like, okay, I have nowhere to put this. There's no reason to keep it anymore because it's like I'm never going to do a show that this that is this hard ever again. And um, and so I just said goodbye and thank you to this ice machine. But the ice machine was really funny because on Broadway, the dancers um, would take some of the ice cubes for their drinks and stuff, which is totally fine in a normal world. But I was doing this thing, and this is the most disgusting story that I have to share because it's so ridiculous. I'm ready. So I'm ready for it. Friend, oh God, poor thing. She, Sarah, God, she would take um, ice cubes for iced coffee, ice cubes for her cocktails at night. Like she always was stealing this ice from my ice machine. Little did she know I would refill the ice machine with my foot water. So <laughs> one day she comes in she's, I had never known that she was doing this. Otherwise I would obviously tell her, told her. <laughs> she comes in after the show. And I was like, um, I watched her reach for the ice and I was like, I couldn't even talk. Like it was the cat got your tongue moment where you're just like, she's not going to know. And it's like slow motion. You're like, no. <laughs> and she reaches in and grabs it. And before I could even get a word out, she like pours it in her ice and she, or in her cup. And she goes, Oh honey, I don't need Evian ice cubes. Like I'm fine. Don't worry. And I'm like, no, I couldn't even like, and everyone in the dressing room is like slow motion too. They're like, did she just know, you know, and, and we all, um, like she died when she found out that I put foot water in 
the ice cube machine because it just went back in my foot water the next day. Now I ice my feet every day. So yeah, like, right. So how oh. did all the girls in the dressing room know though? Did you tell all of them but this one girl? Oh my God. They all saw it the same moment. Like it was one of those serendipitous, like we were all there for that one moment because she had rehearsals during the day. I think she had an um, understudy role or something. So she would be there without anyone else in the room and she just used the ice for months so she was drinking my foot water for a long time but with everyone yelling no at the same time were they yeah. all in on it they all knew they all knew because they okay. knew that that was my foot water most okay. of them were like oh yeah wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole but like yeah that is so funny oh my god <laughs> and so gross I'm I'm like I this is my public apology to you Sarah <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, did you ever go to like a post-secondary college or anything like that? Well, you know, I, I didn't because when you join the, the company, um, it's a full-time job. So I was, I was 16. I graduated um, high school a couple years early and I just kind of like, I would take lessons, but it would be for specific projects or I'd take like classes to just learn about something, but it would be, there's more of like a goal and a you know, oriented, like, okay, I need to learn how to X, Y, Z, whatever. Um, and for instance, um, I mean, our schedules were so crazy. People in my hometown didn't quite understand. So I remember like having this conversation with this woman and she just had no idea um, that ballet is a real career, you know? And she, she kept asking me like, but what do you really do? Like, what are you going to do when you grow up? Kind of was the question. I was just like, I think I make more money than you. Like, this is not a, <laughs> what are you talking about? I work, you know, all day, every day, seven, six days a week. But like really she was seven. treating it like it was an after school activity. Yeah. Like it's, oh, this is just an activity that you're doing or whatever. And there's no future in it. I was like, um, this is the dream company. Like, this is one of the top companies in the world. And, wow. you know, it just, it was interesting because people don't really know how difficult it is or like the schedule sometimes, because they just see you on stage and it doesn't look like you're sweating, but then you go backstage and there's like 60 million empty tissue boxes you know, drenched of sweat. So we don't make it look hard on purpose. And so people don't take it that serious. And, um, and so that was frustrating for a long time. But so going to college, um, they do have a program for, for artists to get their bachelor's degree um, while they're dancing, which is really cool. Oh, okay. It's kind of new. Yeah. Okay. It's called the leap program. And it's awesome because they have one day a week, they'll have school and then they get tons of homework that they have to do throughout the week and they can fit it into their schedule and all the little holes that we have. But we can't really plan that far in advance because our schedule is given to us a day and a half in advance. So it's like, I mean, planning is just, you can't. So you don't know Tough if you're going to have a full act. day. Yeah. yeah. And I know, pun intended, I love that balancing <laughs> um, So yeah, the it was it was really interesting because you really just don't have any foresight you don't know if you're going to be super busy or have the whole day off and um you know the more I I was in the company because I was there for 11 years or 11 seasons it was like just a long um yeah long uh blinded career where you just don't know what tomorrow's going to be like and you might get thrown on stage that night and you know you, you're just always 
you have to be really 100% involved in, in just the ballet. But now that I'm out taking engineering courses so that I can produce music and I'm doing like symphony writing and I'm doing all of these things but and singing and acting lessons and all these different things, but you have to really, I mean, it's not like you can go to college and learn all of this stuff. It's like you really, I learn better on the job always. So for me, I'm just like, okay, and if I have a purpose for it, I'm like I'm going out for this huge audition, I need to learn how to do the part, then I'm going to go take an acting or singing lesson or both or, you know. Whatever's needed. Really, Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's really my best schooling is actually like learning on the job or learning for a reason or something. Yeah, I'm very tactile as well. Well, and visual too. Um, yeah. And I feel like I learn really well with hands-on and being shown through other people's job roles and experiences and talking through the role more so than reading it from a book or sitting in a lecture hall of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Yeah, totally. Actually, my acting coach even said to me one day in a class, because I worked my ass off to get into this class, and then... Um, and then I was like, I sucked. I was like sucking really bad at this class. And she even said, she goes, you're fine in private. It's like, what is wrong with you? Like, this is so weird. And she'd always blame it on my homeschooling, but I was kind of like, well, yeah, I was homeschooled. So like, I didn't learn how to learn yeah, with a bunch of other people. It was like, I would always learn at my own pace, which is different. I mean, everybody learns differently. So to kind of like have to learn in a group, I was kind of like, a lot uh, of adapting. <laughs> yeah. It's like, do not know how to do this. And, and yet at the same time, I was really good with working with other people, but I didn't learn with other people very well. So how did you combat that? Like, how did you start to adjust to working more in bigger groups or with other people? Yeah, I think, I think, um, I'm, I think all of the years of like the people skills training actually really did help because I can get along with people and I can like understand how to communicate with difficult personalities and that's fine. But, um, but yeah, to like to learn in an environment, it was so much better with like just going into a studio. I would always like do my homework before um, a rehearsal. So I would actually just like take a video, go into an empty studio, watch the ballet. You flip the, the TV into the mirror so you can kind of like mirror the whole thing. Smart. Yeah. And then you just learn the, the ballet and then the rehearsals were super easy. But then I just got better at learning over the years and following and you know, it's just, you get better at it, I think, practice-wise, but yeah, that's never been my strength, is learning in a group of people, better one-on-one or in two, you know, two or three people. So take us through the 11 seasons of ballet. How many years is that? That is 11 full years, and it's, um, it's, I know, I know, I'm like the Betty Davis, like Puff Puff. Your poor feet. Totally. I don't have any ligaments left in my ankles, like, I've, had bone bruises and ingrown toenails, all the things like you can't even imagine. It's awful. So yeah, 11 seasons. And within those seasons, you know, I've done like thousands of ballets and done lots of shows and worked with a bunch of choreography, choreographers and worked, you know, more than a million costumes. (laughs) It's just like the ins and outs of being in a, in a ballet company. It was like, definitely I'm, um, I'm really grateful that I did it first because if I had tried to go back, it's just too hard. (laughs) So you have to be young and really excited about being there because it is now that I'm out of it, I have a little bit more perspective because you're in a bubble when you're in it. Um, and you really can't see on the other side of the it's bubble because you're like, that mm-hmm. is your life. You have to focus. It's very, 
Um, it's kind of self-centered in a lot of ways because you really do have to just take care of yourself because no one else will do that for you. So that was really good for me because I felt like I was always trying to, to help other people and do stuff. And then it would kind of put me in this position of like, well, I'd get injured or something. And then I realized, wait, if I take care of my body, I'm more useful <laughs> to the company. Absolutely. So, um, so it was just really interesting to like kind of learn how to be selfish in the most loving way um, in your career to kind of take care of yourself so that you could take care of your company. And, um, and so like ballet career, uh, I was hired really young. I went through puberty while I was in the company. Now, that is not a fun thing. I would not wish that on my worst enemy. And wow. I was severely punished for it because it was like, like, you know, you're hired as a little girl and you turn into a woman and they wanted you to be a little girl forever because that's how they hired you. And so they don't, they do not accept the change that just happened, even though you can't do anything do about, about it. it. It's and it's like, the body works. yeah, it's how the, I mean, and the emotional roller coaster of that is just really rough. I never got into eating disorders because I was really grateful. I had a best friend who is a guy who was doing a raw food cleanse with his mom who was given like um, she was diagnosed with stage four melanoma and was given three months to live, which was super sad. But her last, um, you know, resort was to try and change her diet. And he was like, well, I'll help you and we'll go over recipes and we'll do it together. He lost so much weight. I mean, he was like, not just skin and bones, like, cause he had so many muscles. You could see like ligaments in his arms and stuff. It was like, Whoa, this is like crazy. He goes, I can't keep weight on. You should try this diet. And I had just gotten fired for being fat which was really, really rough. And I was like, my dream was just like getting flushed down the toilet because I didn't look the part anymore. I didn't fit in with the other girls. How old were you when that happened? I was, um, I think 18. Around. And you, yeah. uh, you were hired at 14 or 15? Yeah, I was 15 when I got wow. hired. And so I was, I, and I was a little girl until like, you know, I went through puberty at like, or I had my period at 18 and it was like wow. my first period. So that was rough. So I was like 19, 18, 19 when I got fired and, um, and he came in and he was just like, I think you should try this. And I was like, okay, great. Like sold to the fat ballerina. Like that sounds great. <laughs> and it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me because I actually got, um, on the health train and I started taking care of my body on a different level. I was eating foods as close to as nature intended, drinking tons of water. I mean, I was still eating like lots of chocolates, but it was like raw chocolate and I could make this like, you know, like little cookies out of um, like coconut and coconut oil and like chocolate cacao and like all these things. Like I found ways to have fun with my diet, um, but I lost all the weight. I got my job back. Um, it was just had, like that? You just went it to was, someone where like- It was not just like that. It was like maybe three or four months of just like, okay, is this going to happen? Am I ever going to be like, you know- thin enough because the thing that is a bummer in the ballet is there are a lot of eating disorders and so it's frustrating when you see girls get rewarded for that and you are um you are trying to take care of your body and and the girls that aren't taking care of their body sometimes get a better role than you and you're just like come on like oh it's so frustrating to see That's but hard. you know what i have to say after the 11 years that i was there my body it was still like, and I, I didn't leave the ballet. I could have come back, but I went to Broadway and I did eight shows a week there. So I was like, and this was all ch a choice, right? So it wasn't like I had to quit, but a lot of my friends 
um, would only last three or four years and they would get injured and they couldn't recover because their bodies were just like not healthy, you know? And, and the irony of it all is, is that they were, they were hurting their bodies for this, this art form that, um, you know, ultimately will like chew them up and spit them out. And, and so for me, I was really, really grateful that I turned to health and nutrition because ironically I was taking care of my temple and I could actually, um, have a long career. I mean, 11 years is a really long time. And then three years on Broadway doing eight shows a week. And then, um, you know, I, I still can, I could still go back and dance if I wanted to, you know, and that's the beauty of it. And, um, and I'm, and I don't fluctuate. My weight kind of stays the same. It was like, you know, a lot of the girls like blow up after they stop dancing because they're like, oh my God, I can eat. And they just don't have a good relationship with food mm. and their bodies. And so it's just, um, and some of them get really weird diseases after like a long period of time. They're just, you know, like cancers and all these things. So you're just like, oh, it's so sad because we're doing it. And our bodies are the only thing that is our work, you know? Yeah. And it's so like you're doing this job you love and they get this awful reward sometimes out of it. And you're like, yeah. oh, this sucks. Uh-huh. Totally. Yeah. And so, so I think the reward for me was just to kind of have um, a full healthy career and make lemonade out of, out of lemons, you yes, know? Yes. The best way to do it. Yeah. So how, who had that conversation with you about your weight gain or like your body change like how did they direct yeah it was awful there were a few like some of our like hilarious now that I'm like looking back like oh my god I lived through these like comedy of errors there's like there were a few of the the meetings where they'd sit me down and when I was younger like I had no idea and they couldn't use the I say the f word but the fat word they they're not legally allowed to call you fat because you're obviously not, by the way. Like, I would go see a nutritionist, and they'd be like, well, you're totally normal weight. I'm like, that's why I'm getting fired. Like, because I'm normal. Like, this is not a place of normal. normal. You cannot. It's just not a thing. It's a visual art form, and unfortunately, like, you lean more towards the skinny side. And so I was like, this is just, it's, it was really rough. So there were a couple of moments, like, where my director would, you know, he'd just be like, you just don't fit in with the other girls on stage. Or, like, George Balanchine, who's been by the way, dead for, you know, many years, he's like, he would never put you on stage. It's like a way to hide behind a dead man. You know, like there were, there were things said to me, like, you should just really work on your muscle tone, you know, and you'd be like, oh, so you're saying I'm fat. <laughs> Great. So there is one though, we all came back from China where we all had tons of like, there's MSG and everything. We got super puffy, like everyone, it was just water weight. And we did Swan Lake. So you can't really hide. There's like, white twos it's like yeah <laughs> and um he called the director called 10 of us into his um into his office and we all tried this is great we all tried to sit on a love seat <laughs> we're all we all know it's gonna happen we're like oh we're gonna be told we're fat again and <laughs> We're like all trying to squeeze in as if we're like not fat, you know, and it was just the probably the funniest like vision of it sounds like you know, a comedy moment. It was like, so ridiculous. Comedy. I was like, scooch over, you know, oh your butt's too big. You know, it was like it's not. It's just so ridiculous. So anyway, like there's just there's been a lot of meetings that I went through because I was going through puberty and it was just a rough time in a girl's life. And you know, again, like I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy um to go through, but I got through and I'm really grateful. And now I want to share the fact that like nutrition saved my life and eating as eating foods as close to as nature intended them to be 
will keep you healthy, strong, and, you know, like a healthy weight, which is awesome, you know? So do you eat meat then or no? I do now because, I mean, you know, I love meat. To be honest, I was always like, I'm going to cheat today. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, probably not very often, but like I would say once a week or twice a week, I'll have like a bunch of meat of some sort, like whether it's turkey or chicken or meat or whatever, steak. Okay. Okay. So take us a quick walkthrough of what a day would look like, you know, when you'd have to go to class, like ballet Mm -hmm. practice, and then when you'd have like a matinee or a nighttime show, like what the differences were like there. Yeah. So we'd have, um, let's see, a rehearsal season and then a performance season. Performance seasons are crazy. Rehearsal seasons are um, pretty strict. Like they're pretty standard. It's like 10 a.m. class, company class. It's optional. I mean, optional, if you don't, if you don't take class, you don't get better. So you'd never really miss. So it's like 10 a.m. to 11.15 and then 11.30 till 2.30 is um, rehearsal. Wait, 11.12. Yeah, 2.30. And then you have an hour break for lunch, 2.30 to 3.30. And then 3.30 to 6.30 was the second half of the day. And that was like, I would say July through um, December. Wow. was like that kind of schedule where you, and it's five days a week. So you just sell the weekends off and then Nutcracker comes along and that's when the rehearsal or the performance time starts. And it's, it gets pretty crazy. It's like 10 AM company class or maybe 11 or something, but then you have a 2 PM show and an eight or seven or 8 PM show. And then you do that for the holidays and then you come back to your schedule and your season. And like the craziest day of my entire career was like, I think I had, I danced um, three ballets or four ballets, uh, four different roles or something in <laughs> at night. And during the day I rehearsed, I think 12 different ballets or something. Like it was really insane. Like I went just like half hour rehearsal here. I learned two or three parts in this other ballet. So I, that was like a lot. So there'd be like another hour where I'd just be like learning or dancing or something, three other parts. And then I go to another rehearsal and then I didn't have a break. And then you'd have like a 15 minute nap and then you do the show. It was like just the How whole day. How did you remember was just crazy. all this choreography from so muscle memory? That's people. the only way. If I thought about it, I would forget who I was, what I was, where I was, everything. So I, um, yeah, really relied on this like robotic muscle memory thing. Like Like your body just knows what the next. Yeah. So crazy. And so for me, it was like the music was always everything for me. If I was asked to do a step without music, I couldn't do it physically. And then I'd be like, can you just play the music? And I remember a teacher just being like, no, like you have to do this in silence. And I was like, if you play the music, I promise I will do this. And she'd play the music and I'd, you know, do it. (laughs) It was just something about music. It's like I can remember ballets and stuff when I hear the music, and I don't know how, but I just do. It's amazing. Wow. Muscles. <laughs> yeah. No, we rely a lot on it. Yeah. So in your opinion, could, you, could anyone become a professional dancer with enough practice, or do you think some people are just hopelessly uncoordinated? Oh, that I, you know, I, I want to be nice and say that, yeah, like with a lot of practice, you could totally do it, but there's, um, there's this little problem that we have in, in the world, which is like, you just, you might not have the right body type for it. And that does suck. And it's not, it's not like weight. 
that's that has nothing to do with it. Weight, like like I kind of just proved my point is that mm-hmm. the weight was actually just the thing that was keeping me. Like it wasn't my long, like my legs weren't long enough or my feet weren't flexible enough and my hips right. weren't turned out or something. It's like in foreign countries though, they do this thing. And I, I used to not appreciate this at all, but now I do in a lot of ways. And I'll explain why is they choose the dancer and then they train them. So they like make sure they go through this like crazy audition process at like, you know, sometimes four years old, they'll like look at a girl and they'll be like, or a boy. And they'll be like, Oh, this girl has good feet turnout. She's got long legs, um, a short torso, long neck, long arms. She's pretty or he's handsome. And the parents look, they have the right aesthetic. So we know that they'll grow up and look kind of like that. They'll even look as far as the parents' genes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and sometimes two generations, they'll like ask for pictures of the grandparents. Yeah. It's really crazy. So they're like, okay, this person has the right body type. Let's put him in ballet school and train him and we'll give him the best training. And it's like kind of amazing because they'll come out like they're like robots, but they're amazing. Like they're not always like robots, but they're so talented and they're so, their technique is so clean and so built into their, you know, like since they were like four years old, um, that they're just so amazing. And then they actually have really good, because they have good technique, their careers last longer because they're not like, you know, just, um, they know how to, they're not wasting time. Exactly. 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 So, whereas I started because I loved it and then I hit the lottery because I had the right body type and then I'm so excited to be there, but I don't have the best, you know, training because I grew up in a small town where there's no ballet schools like studios. And so I'd get injured all the time. And like that evolution was interesting because I ended up having to kind of retrain myself later in my career where like I was asking all of my favorite dancers if they would mentor me. And that was always really important. I think um, that's something that I continue doing in whatever profession I'm doing. You're always a student of life. So you always, and, and there's always someone who knows something that can help you. You just have to ask and no one's going to come up to you and just give their opinions. And if they do, sometimes you have this like, nope, don't want to hear it. But the, um, the people that I really admired and respected were always open doors once I asked. And that was really special. So really important. And I was, I was just really excited that I, you know, made it from dreaming about it as a little girl. And I just don't think that happens in, in every country, but it, it will alleviate a lot of years of, you know, like there are girls that, that just love it and they want it so bad, but you know that they're never going to make it because they don't have the right feet turn out they're, you know, they're just not coordinated or they're not, um, you know, their, their body types just like going to change. And, you know, you don't know what it's going to look like after puberty. (laughs) It's just like, sometimes it just changes and that sucks. Or you get injured because you didn't have the turnout. So you're forcing it. So your kneecap pops off, you know, it's like all these awful things that happen. So they do save you years of just, you know, um, training and and blood sweat and tears if if they do kind of like okay you have the right everything check 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 let's see if you're good you know in 10 years when you (laughs) when you're ready to get a job or something you know and it's timing too that's it's just a crazy profession and it's like I think I did the um the math it's like zero it's like point zero five percent of dancers make it in the ballet world that train like it's a really small number and then the ones that actually stay for like 11 years versus like three years like I am a 
I am a unicorn. It's <laughs> 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 like, hey. <laughs> um, so, how yeah. many years of training does it take in hopes to see the end goal of performing in a ballet? Like, I would do you typically say, see? I would say 10 years. But there's always the unicorns there too. Like my friend Luke, he was a uh, uh, he started dancing at 20 years old and was professional at like 22. I mean, wow, so that's ridiculous. And Good for him. He makes everyone um, that worked for 10 years just really mad. But um, so, so yeah, it it's. I guess there are some naturals that are just amazing. But I would say 10 years. Okay, and yeah. the people, the dancers in the ballet company. Were they coming from different parts of the world? Are they all American-based? Did they have, like, requirements that they're looking for when they're seeking yeah. out these dancers? Yeah. There's – well, our San Francisco Ballet – I'm going to give, like, the keys to the universe right now. But, like, San Francisco Ballet has, like, a chessboard of dancers where they have, like, you know, the right amount of people f to do a lot of these ballets that we do. Like, you know, you need, like, a tall person. You need a short person. You need, like, a tall guy for that person. You need a short guy for that person. And, like, you kind of – Max and um, <laughs> Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because you, like, you see one dancer leave who's, let's say, a really tall, beautiful, flexible female. And then, like, the next person that comes and joins the company is a tall – beautiful, flexible ball female ballerina. And it's just interesting because there's kind of like this formula where it hasn't really changed. Like you'll see basically, you know, when, when somebody leaves or retires or something, they're like replaced almost identically. Like they even look like them sometimes. That is crazy. They could even be from the same country. It's, it's super weird. Um, but you can kind of see the trajectory of your career by who you replaced. <laughs> like, do I want that career? I don't know. It's interesting. But that took me a long time. That was my bitter Betty Davis of being like, okay, let me tell you <laughs> Yeah, everything. I think you're exposed to so much at that age. And then yeah. being in the company for so long, you just like are exposed to just so many aspects of life. Like yeah. the growth of dancers, like mentally how they're growing, like you know, who runs mm -hmm. the company, the big decisions that are made, the little the politics, details, yeah. the politics, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, Insane. It, it, you're treated or you're expected to be an adult at such a young age. And it's just like, it's no matter how much you think that you are, you look back and you're like, no, I was a child in an adult environment that was run by a bunch of kids. Like, it's just, it's, you know, <laughs> so, exactly. it's so interesting. Exactly. But yeah, so I look back and like, we, we, it definitely has made every other career much easier because I've learned how to deal with the most difficult personalities in the most extreme circumstances. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. So what did your fitness and strength training look like while being in the ballet other than it's a good like, question. rehearsal? Yeah, that was like their cross training was always helpful. Uh, we had Pilates studio in the ballet building, which is really cool. So there was always a Pilates instructor there. I, like this sounds so plush I know but like we had like a Pilates we had gyrotonics we had a weight thing we have like free weights and we had um bikes and ellipticals and treadmills and all that stuff so we could like do extra training exercises and my favorite was always like upright going backwards on the elliptical so you didn't build your thighs you'd build like your butt muscles and your hamstrings so they'd be stronger and it was long so like when I did the bike my I already had a really short torso but my psoas would like really tighten up which wasn't good for my back because I have a little scoliosis just like a couple little things here so like it really would like if I was on the bike I'd just make my hips too tight 
and then it would pull my scoliosis out of whack and then it just hurt my back. It was like, just, you know, these are the, you asked, so I will tell, but, um, so I always did upright exercises, walking, treadmill, that, like slow, but backwards on the elliptical was that, that was the best. And then, um, Pilates works for me like so well, especially knowing that I had a little scoliosis and then, my secret was I was a really tight dancer. So I had a harder time with um, stretching. So I would like get massages all the time to help with that. Cause I was also too tired most of the time to like really stretch. By them? Like, do they provide you? Yeah. In wow. San Francisco ballet, it's covered and it's amazing. That's like one of the biggest benefits of being in the, that company is that they really take great care of the dancers. They have a doctor that comes to the building two times a week to like check out you know, whatever injuries we have and like help us through it. And so they would come to us. It was amazing. So we had a really great, um, so everything was on site for the most part. Yeah. And we had like, you know, room for massage therapy and we had physical therapy and we had chiropractors that would, that we could go to and acupuncturists. And like, it was, it was really amazing because you need it to get through that career. Um, and then the more that you need it, the more that you need it. I mean, it's just that spiral. You're like, oh, now that I've gone to my chiropractor, I have to go back every two weeks, you know, otherwise. Yeah. So it just became this like, you know, on your day off is like get a massage. But it was more like taking your vitamins. It's like I'm just taking care of my body and it takes care of me in return. So Exactly. Like you said, you need it to make it through. <laughs> yeah, totally. It was, it was amazing. Did you guys have a pool? We had a hot tub, hot but tub we didn't have fun. a pool. Yeah, there's... I don't know. I just really am not, I'm not a good swimmer. So okay. <laughs> I can swim, but I'm like, Oh, that, that end of the lap, like the other lap, that looks too far. <laughs> like doggy paddle over there. <laughs> so what kind of weights did they have in the weight room? Did it only go to like up to a certain amount? Cause they didn't want you guys lifting too heavy. Like you I'm know, curious. That's a great question. I don't know if I ever used anything, but a five pound weight. So I don't know. I think it would go up to like 50 or something, but, okay. um, but the guys like, there were certain times um, where they'd have a lot of lifting in a ballet and they really use those weights like a lot. I so completely forgot was... that there's males in this world. I know, right? Oh <laughs> my God. Like, I'm just so <laughs> ingrained with my like old way of thinking of like very yeah. female. I love that centric. Piece, but, yes. But I like, I like that you mentioned that. So yeah, they probably were in the weight room quite a bit. They must have been. Oh my exactly God. Like always. Sort of and you, yeah, you just see them lifting weights because you knew that was like basically they're gonna prepping be yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna row you instead of the way <laughs> yeah. every once in a while they'd ask you uh if you're dancing with them like a partner they'd be like hey can I just like lift you you know like they would do like lifts with you like they'd lay lay you down like a, a board and they just do like arm like curls and stuff mm -hmm. yeah and just to kind of get in shape for all the you know, sometimes there's like a thousand lifts in ballets. I mean, they're like lifting over the head and they do these press lifts with one arm. And then it's like, they're just always lifting us. And then they have to slowly lower us down. I mean, it's, it's challenging to be a female. It's also challenging to be a male. And, right. you know, most of the time the ballets that we do are older. So the, there weren't that many males back then, um, when they choreographed these. So there'd be like one guy part in like, and 40 girls. And, um, and so the girls still kind of have it a little bit harder these days, only be, today, I mean, only because the older ballets, there just weren't that many guys. So 
a lot of the guys sit around in Nutcracker, for instance, and like the big ballet numbers are like Waltz of the Flowers and Snowflakes. And there's like all the girls are in those and the guys are like, I was in party scene and then that's it, you know? (laughs) So, or I was the Cavalier and, you know, so, so anyway, it's just, it's an interesting, um, yeah, profession. It's getting more um, male dominated because there are more males in the ballet world now, but, um, but yeah. Just wow. Fewer parts. <laughs> so you, did your ballet go on tour then, like to different? We did. Yeah. We went on tours every year. Uh, and we, I mean, my first tour was to Paris. Like you cannot complain about that. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. wild. How was that experience yeah. like being so it was young? So <laughs> amazing. I was 16 and I was like, I'm in Paris and I'm being treated like an adult and I've never been overseas before. So it was like, oh my gosh, it was so cool. Um, yeah. Just, I was I just was such a, I don't know, like wide-eyed girl too. So it was just amazing to be in Paris. It had a huge impact on me, like going to Versailles. I was like, okay, dreams do come true. This is amazing. Um, But yeah, it was really cool. We've gone to China, Iceland, um, Denmark, all the, um, let's see, all over the States, like New York and LA and DC and um yeah, it's, I can't remember where else we've been, but we've been a bunch of places, but it was always like a big tour, you know, it's, it was a big month long, at least tour. And how would they do with your diets? Like, would they plan oh, this yeah. stuff out or would they be like, no. here's your money, go figure it out? Yeah, or- per diem. Yeah, it was like, per diem, go figure it out. And um, a lot of those tours, especially like China or something, I was like heavily relied on all of the food bars that I'd bring. <laughs> it's like, you know, you couldn't, I brushed my teeth with the water there and I got sick for two days. I mean, it was just like, you just really had to like think ahead. Okay, we have to get water bottles when we get there. We have to deal, you know, it was just because really in Paris specifically, they don't do takeout. And that's great when you're a tourist, but when you're working there and you oh, have an hour break, no. it's like, what do you eat? You know, and like you need it to be healthy. You can't have fried foods. You can't have like cheesy, whatever. Cause you're like, I'm about to put on a bathing suit practically. You know, it's a leotard. And you also don't want to like, like throw up on stage having like this deep fried Exactly. Oh God, totally. And you also don't have two hours to digest it. And like, you know, it's, it's just, um, challenging whenever you're going on tour because you really do like they they give us a nice little booklet of like all the restaurants close by what you can do they always send like a company manager to the location before we go so they know all of the ins and outs and like okay if I was a dancer and I needed food now where would I go that's healthy you know and they kind of like go find the restaurants put them in a book and then so when we get there we're like I mean now we have google which is different (laughs) Right, because at that time you probably no, we just didn't, didn't have, have cell phones. We didn't have cell phones. <gasps> I know, isn't that crazy? Wow. I mean, we 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 had cell phones, but it was like the Very plans. <laughs> it was like they didn't have European Data. plans or like, yeah, China. Even it was like I think Skype had just come out or something, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll try that. And it was like it just never worked because the Wi-Fi was slow and whatever. So yeah, it was different times. Definitely, we had little workbooks. God, I sound old. This is weird. Not that old. No. It's just that things just have changed very, yeah. so much. Very in different like the time past of living. 10 years, I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Amazing. Like, I can't imagine not having, like, my main thing for my phone is Google Maps. Like, if my phone were to die and I'd be in no. the middle of nowhere, like, oh my gosh. I'm not good with north, south, east, west. 
Oh God, totally. No. And just like knowing what, where you are and, and how you had to visual. adapt, like you had to be yeah. able to figure it out and like think fast on, cause like you said, you're on your hour break or whatever. It's not yeah. that much time if you think about it. No. And if you're in a foreign country, you're just like, Oh God, you can't speak their language. And in Paris, it's so funny cause everything's built in circles. So like, then it's like, you think you're going down a parallel street, but you're actually mm-hmm. going like the opposite direction. And yep. And then it's like two sides of a triangle to get back. And you're just like, no, I'm late, you know, <laughs> and lost. I'm so confused. I thought I was going north. I'm going south. Yeah. And somehow I went the wrong way. Like, yeah. oh yeah. Anyway. So that's wow. funny. Wow. Um, <laughs> what are some of the demands on being on tour? Um, well, I think that we just kind of covered that first is food. It's like always just going to a foreign country. You're just like always afraid that you're not going to be able to find something quick and easy and fast and within your per diem price range. San Francisco Ballet gives us a lot of money, but like other companies, I can only imagine like it's, you're really on a budget. So, um, so yeah, challenges being on tour is just not having the resources sometimes like you don't have the ice bucket that you needed, or you don't have, um, your physical therapist that you really rely on heavily to get through, you know, like my massage therapist was the best because he knew my body so well. Cause I saw him once a week, you know, religiously. So when I went on tour, it was like, Oh God, I have to find a massage therapist. And they I, wouldn't bring one. They were never, they brought one, but then like the schedule would get booked up and you'd need like a full hour instead of like 15 minutes or a half an hour or something, you know, and oh, it was no. just like, that just doesn't do anything. So you're like s- sort of scrambling to find your, your person. Once you find them, they're great. But like, or not always, but they're usually great. But would you find a person local or would you? Yeah. Have to... yeah. Oh, like wow. I would do some, some searching. There's always other ballet companies where we would perform because it was an opera house or big theater. So if you had friends from like ballet school that were in that company, you just reach out to them and be like, who is your physical therapist or, you know, and you'd just use them while you wow so it'd be like their recommendation you're just yeah because you're like it's their dancer so they did the same work in their town that I've done in mine so um so yeah it was interesting that was probably the most challenging and then like uncomfortable beds sometimes you wake up and you're like I feel injured or like I got hit by a car because this is like not my bed awful mattress yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) how lot like how long would you sleep per night do you think on average back in rehearsal Hmm. part of the year like, do you feel I like you're getting enough sleep? Yeah, I'm such a professional sleeper. So I sleep for like too much time, people think, but it's perfect for me. It's like nine to 10 hours or something. You're like, lucky. My, like, That's a I nice love, sleep. I love sleeping. So yeah, I'm a really good professional sleeper. Like, and <laughs> and in, uh, in the ballet, especially because I was like time, you know, you have an hour. I'd always like to take little naps here and there just to like restart my day and kind of like just have like a refresh, like, okay, the first half of the day was tough, but I'm going to take a new attitude towards the second half and I take a little nap and it was, it worked every time. It was so great. And I could, I trained myself to like see the back of my eyelids, breathe like five really, really deep breaths and I'd be out and I'd set an alarm for like 15 minutes and I'd be, I'd wake up after that 15 minutes. And I'd be like, oh, you know, like total, um, you know, Snow White or something. <laughs> like the, oh, I wish. <laughs> I, I guess you like train yourself to be able to yeah. do that though. Like, yeah. Can you do that now still? That's oh, good... totally. Like, wow, and not, so I got cool. better on Broadway. I could have like a three minute nap and be like totally refreshed. It was insane. I was like, I have five minutes. 
I need a minute to go to the lay down and a minute to get back on stage. And I'm like, I could do this. And I'd have dreams. Like it was amazing. Wow. That is yeah. insane. So- it's practice. Puff, puff, you know, <laughs> a lot of naps. <laughs> How long did it typically take to learn the choreography for say a two hour ballet? Oh yeah, that's, well, it depends on how many people again, because like when you're learning in a herd, it takes a lot longer. So there will be like, I'll say three weeks of three hours a day for a two hour ballet, um, like Swan Lake or something. But if you're the lead, you kind of learn the parts. I mean, you can learn parts really quickly, but I was a really fast learner. um, So they would throw me on. This was like, double-edged sword. I was really good at it. And once they figured it out, then they would throw me on stage for things that I was like, really like you're, what is happening? They were, they would ask me to go and do something because I was easygoing. And I was always like, sure. Yeah, I'll do it. And then I'd think about it like after like, oh my God, I can't believe I just said yes, you know? Um, but they, they had me do this part and it was just the reverse of what I knew. So it was this girl got injured and they're like, Hey, could you do this part? It's the exact same thing. It's just on the opposite side of the stage. It's like, sure, I can reverse it. Like, you know, I had done things like that before. So I was a little bit calm and, and uh, confident about it. I was like, sure, no problem. Show up in my costume. We were going to have a, a 15 minute rehearsal before the curtain went up on stage. And I was just going to go over a couple things with my partner and whatnot. And we realized that it's not the opposite. Every other girl had a totally different part. And they thought that I was the every other girl and I wasn't I was the every girl and it was such a a moment of like okay we could panic or I could just calm calmly like focus in so it was a 17 minute ballet and we had 27 minutes to learn this whole ballet and it was so crazy so I got the video I like didn't I was just like, okay, I had a ballet mistress to answer any questions that I had. It's like, okay, I'm going to learn this. What's a ballet mistress? Um, The person that rehearses you. So there's ballet masters, which are men, and then the ballet mistresses, which are the women. Cool. And they're the ones that come and help you learn a ballet, and they'll teach it to you. So it's not always like a TV screen. But for this particular instance, I needed a TV screen. I'm like, I'm a visual person. You can't just talk me through this. I need to see the patterns of all of the other dancers. So I just like zoomed in calmly focused I just kept breathing and I got through the show it was amazing the curtain went up I was like okay this is happening I'm going to just um when you are the only one going on though like this is the beautiful part about this when you're the only one that doesn't know what they're doing and everyone else does you can kind of start because you've worked with the same group of people for years you can start like trusting that they will help guide you if you're in the wrong spot and they'll go around you or like and you don't I, I mean I didn't mess up that night really so that was that I'm, I was good at Very learning cool. at this point. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, I didn't run into anybody, you know, like, but, um, which I have done before on stage and it's always embarrassing, but, um, but the, you know, that particular show is just like, okay, gotta do this. And there's no way, like I'm already in the costume. There's no way out of this. I'm the only one that can do it. And so I'm going to do it. There's no other choice. The show must go good on. Good for you. Did you and tell did your, 
the mistress after oh, or, or whoever afterwards they apologize and they're like i am so so sorry like we had no idea but you did great like thank you you're so like, much I and should then be it was paying, like, getting paid double tonight for totally <laughs> totally <laughs> exactly oh man no it was that was the reward was actually i always had to do that kind of stuff which is which is a blessing and a curse because you get great opportunities by being easygoing and ready to go on stage but you also get you know the extra stress of like oh god you know <laughs> like I don't know what I'm doing and I'm about to run out on stage in front of thousands of people what a stressful moment but you really (laughs) were a champ and you took it on well so thank you go you you for that (laughs) do you ever get classical music songs stuck in your head like we get pop songs stuck in ours uh yeah sometimes and I now I'm like if I hear classical music if somebody's playing like you know it's not as relaxing for me because it's the stuff, like it reminds me of the ballet and the steps that I had to do and like the foot cramping moment or like, like I can't listen to classical music without like having memories of like, <laughs> physical memories where I'm right. like, oh my gosh, like this like, moment, so this awful. Yeah, totally. Oh, this one show, like a girl fell in front of me and then I tripped on her and then she tripped on me again. Like it was, it's, you know, the things that have happened on stage, they all come back when I hear the music. So I don't try to listen to it on purpose to get it stuck in my head, but yeah, they will, that, my head doesn't stop when I'm like writing a song or like this year for the pandemic, I was working on a classical piece that I was working on like a long time ago, but now I've had time to do all the things that we, yeah. So, um, so I worked on this song and I would like go to bed with it. I'd wake up in the middle of the night with different ideas and I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have to go running back to the piano because I'm like, I'm ready. And it's only, I have to like play get it, it out for it to get it out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yes. And, and on purpose, no, at the same time. <laughs> gotcha. So a more taboo question. I feel like a lot of people would want to know like a ballpark, how much does a professional ballerina get paid typically in this profession? Oh, that's a great question. And I think I can honestly answer that. Um, I think in a really small ballet company, it could be like 20, I want to say $29,000 a year. I don't know why 29 and not 30, but like, I'm just going to say 29, really small ballet company. That's where it's not full-time. So you it's have a side gig. Like, yeah. So you have like a bunch of side gigs that you're, you're working as well, but in a full-time company, like I think I was making when I first joined like 60,000 a year. And then it went up from there to like, I want to say 80,000 wow. a year. And that was, that was like, I wasn't in the highest rank. So if you get up there and there's like dancers that have been there since, um, they were 20, or, you know, like 18, 19 or something. And they've been there for 25 years. They could be up to like $200,000 a year if they're doing extra shows. You know, they do like these guesting shows where they're going around and they're doing like one big gala show or something. They'll get paid for that. And like, so it's dependent on a few things. Yeah. So like your time in the company, your time in certain positions, your rank. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of things to factor in. Yeah, there's a few things. I mean, you could, I guess you could be young and just make a lot of money and be famous or something too, but that's, it's just rarer in the ballet company or in the ballet world. Cause it just takes, it's like when you're in the ballet school, you're focusing only on technique. And when you get hired in the company, you're only working on becoming an artist. So the different, it's like when those two meet in the middle, that's the 
peak of someone's career and it just takes time for that to happen. You know, right, you'll see right. a young dancer and they can do all the steps, but they don't have the, they haven't evolved into a true artist yet. You know, they're not like experienced and you can just see the intelligence in a dancer when they've been dancing for long enough and their peak is when, you know, the technique and the artistry kind of come together, which is really special. Right. Do you, did you ever uh, come across if this hasn't happened to you that you're getting paid a lot one year and then the next year it got cut for a certain reason and then we were in a union so no oh, okay. so our okay. union like had like a nice little um you know there's always a glass ceiling at whatever level that you're at and so you can start negotiating if you can but they would I mean there's no there's nothing really to negotiate against <laughs> really so um because you're always replaceable sadly but um so the the yeah, the ranking and everything, they're all kind of set. And like every year you get a little bit more. It's, and then depending on your city, there's like a percentage that you will get paid more every year, no matter what. So like, even if your pay stays the same, let's say the city is like, demands it to be 2.5% higher each year, you'll get 2.5% more of your paycheck. Wow. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that's interesting. Wow. And then, of course, the perks of being in San Francisco Ballet is that they pay you to, um, or not they pay you, but they um, they provide all of that physical therapy. Like when I went to Broadway, they they gave you more money, but you had to spend money on your own physical therapy on on your own terms. And I think I spent like it was a lot of money that year. Like it would have, it would have been the same amount of money if I was still in the ballet um, because of the physical therapy that the right. ballet paid for. It was the equivalent of the more money that I was making on Broadway. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah. what was the hardest thing about your profession as a ballerina then? And what was the best thing you got out of it? The best thing I got out of it was probably the, um, the like, learning how the show always goes on and that it's um like in life in general it's like no, don't sweat the small stuff because it's all small stuff people like when you stressed out about one little thing or one step or something no one else noticed or if they did they're going to forget about it and in the long run like what really matters is that you like can take what you've learned and apply it to the next things that you you know you're the next ventures yeah. and then the most difficult thing was definitely for me going through um puberty in the ballet it was just rough and like, like that's honest so... that was so it's so realistic <laughs> yeah. yeah it was just really I mean a tough time in any child's life to turn into an adult but like in a ballet company it was just hard <laughs> yeah no I bet I bet especially like yeah going through that yeah it yeah. was interesting but yeah um <laughs> Did you ever have any serious injuries while being in the ballet? Yes, I had a lot. Like you can just imagine dancing on your feet. You're going to get injuries, right? I had really flexible feet. So like they were, um, my arches were really high and whatever. But so um, if I wore soft point shoes, my ankles would just like sprain or pull too long, like it would just strain or whatever. Um so yeah, I've I've pretty much done everything you could possibly do. I'm to your toes for sure. It's like but nothing like 
No, but actually no surgeries, which I'm really grateful for. And there were a couple things. Thank you so much. There were a couple things that could have been surgery, um, but I ended up finding loopholes and finding other ways to fix it. Like the elbow was uh, my MCL. I slipped and fell and I landed like a cat, like with my hand oh. first and it just popped my elbow. Like has this, who knew you had an MCL in your elbow? I snapped it. Still not there all the way. Um, but I found this, this machine at a chiropractor's office called the Electroacuscope Myopulse, which is the most amazing thing ever. It basically sends this electric frequency into your, um, that vibrates at the same frequency that your healthy ligaments should vibrate at. Okay. And it just sort of fuses, it, it basically um, jumpstarts the dead cells, the dead blood cells. Um, and, and like jumps, jump starts them to back to life. So that, cause the problem with injuries that I noticed anyways, is that especially in joints, if you get injured, like my elbow swole, it was got so swollen and the blood flow all goes to that elbow and then it can't get out. So the dead, dead blood's supposed to be able to get out of the way so that the new blood can fix it. But when there's too much, it's like a traffic jam. Everything's trying to go save it. It becomes this really bad thing where the blood that's trying to save the dead blood and get everything out of the way, so it gets stuck. And so then it dies. And then you have this black and blue puffy thing and it won't heal very quickly. So what happened with the, the acuscope was it just jump-started the dead cells back to life. And then everything else kind of started healing around it, which is amazing and saved me a year and a half and surgery, which is awesome. I was back on stage in two months. I wonder how much that me, machine was. I know. I've tried to like find out because I'm like, I need one of these machines. Ice machine, the machine. <laughs> I know, totally. Sorry, Ice machines are way you? cheaper. Oh, God, a year and a half. They were saying a year and a half. And, um, and I came back and I was on stage in two months to the day. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. You just powered through this stuff, man. Oh hey. my gosh. Hey, you know what? When they tell you no and you don't want to hear it, you just find a way. <laughs> yeah. I feel like for women, well, a lot of women, it's like, yeah, you can't tell me no. <laughs> no. And I sometimes think that doctors say that stuff just to do that to you anyways, because they're like, oh, this girl's going to like find a new way if I tell her that she'll never dance again. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but she will probably find it. And I always did. Um, hair and makeup. Did you get that done every day or did you have no, to get you really do it yourself. good at yourself? Okay. So good at yourself. Yeah. Okay. I know my face in the dark, literally like, so yeah, we do our own hair and makeup and we take a lot of pride. We know our, our we know our faces. Like I think the thing that, that, um, you know, now we're used to seeing like the Kardashians, they always get their hair and makeup done and it's always professional and they have someone doing it. We know our faces. It's like our bodies too. We know our bodies. You, you don't need a doctor to tell you you're injured when you're injured. You're exactly. like, yeah, I know. Okay. So, but sometimes you need to know like which bone it is so you can work on it. But, um, but like, or ligament or whatever, but, um, for our faces, we know our faces, you know, and like you look in the mirror and you can like learn how to be an artist. Anyone can, a makeup artist and like your beautiful face. I'm sure you did it by yourself, right? Yeah. I learned yeah. a little bit off YouTube and then just trial and error. Right. Exactly. And then you just kind of play around and then it becomes fun because I you enjoy it. add different colors here and whatever. But yeah, if you kind of know the shape and you know, it kind of like looks good on you, then you just do it yourself. And we got really good at it because you do it all the time right. for a living. So sometimes multiple times a day. So, um, so yeah, I always did it 
And even if there's a chance to have someone do it for you, I always chose to do my own because I was such a you know, perfectionist yeah. and yeah. I knew what I wanted. I always think that like one day on my wedding day, I feel like I might want to do my own makeup because I know. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I like, did. You just my wedding you day, I was like, enough. no, I want, I mean, I, I want to trust do my makeup. Yeah. yeah. It's stressful because then you're like, well, this, these photos are going to last forever. I want to look like. And you don't need to look like a different person on your wedding day. Exactly. I think that was that was the key that my mom gave me. She's like, "Well, he's marrying you for you. You don't need to like look like a different change. person." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, how many pairs of point shoes would you say you had? These are your, great questions. Yeah. Right. Oh my god. <laughs> in point the shoes. Yeah, they um they only last sometimes an hour, which people don't realize, and they're an like a hundred dollars. Oh yeah, like or sometimes one show. It's crazy. That kind of reminds me of like hockey players. They'll break a stick every couple of games. I know, like, and you're just like, wait, what? Like, how many? Why? Why would they only last one show? Like, they're oh, too broken the, in, or the ballet gives you twelve pairs a month to go through, and I know it's <laughs> crazy, right? I know, so it's amazing. So I think half of my injuries came from just wearing too soft of point shoes, and that was because in the ballet school we were paying for it ourselves, and you know, like you're wearing these point shoes and you just got them they're a hundred dollars and they take you an hour to sew and doctor up to be like the right everything so they're comfortable and they don't give you blisters and then you wear them for like one sweaty class and then your feet sweat through the glue and the satin and the canvas and that's all that's there and then you try and glue them every once in a while you can use super glue at the tips or something but then it makes it super loud and noisy and then they're ruined. So, um, so like to wear them for a show, especially if it's a special show, if you're like a really good part or something, you like make sure you have your best point shoes because they, they're handmade. So some of them are like, you know, just made perfectly for your foot. And some of them you're like, Ooh, this doesn't really like the shape is a little yeah, off or whatever. Perfectly. Yeah. So, and they're handmade. So you never really know. And, and, um, it took me like, I would say 10 years to find the right point shoe for my foot because of the, the trial and error. It's like wow. every, you know, six months you order a giant order of point shoes and they come and sometimes they're not the right ones and you just have to wear them to like get through them. And then you get your next one and you edit the order and then that comes and it's a little better, but it's not perfect. So like over the years, it took me so long because there's so many options. They don't like give them to you like on a menu. You have to just sort of figure it out there. You like, do you want canvas drawstrings? Do you want elastic drawstrings? Do you want them to be super hard in the tip and not so much in the bunion area, which is awesome? Who knew that that was an option? Like, I just the evolution of, I mean, like, if there are girls out there that need help with their point shoes and ordering them, I would love to help them. So, like, reach out to me on social media. Yeah, and love that is to, a great, like, yeah. Because it's the... how would you know? I mean, there's just like, I'd love to just go back to my younger self and just kind of be like, oh, this is what you're going to look the best in and feel the best in. And you're not going to get injured. Like what are the odds? So, um, if only, (laughs) if only, yeah, the Repetto actually was what I ended with, with my career and they're the best. Then they're consistent and amazing Repetto point shoes. So did you have a new pair of stage shoes? Sorry, shoes for when you're on stage? Uh, sometimes. I mean, it depended. Like on Broadway, I got, that got old really fast. So <laughs> it's like, I bet I don't have time to sew my point shoes all yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Being amongst so many other dancers, females in particular, did you find that um, most 
most of the girls got along or did you feel like there was a lot of cattiness that you felt like you were trying to constantly dodge? Yeah, I was, I was from the family of everyone's friends and we're all like trying to work together as a team. Yeah. And and my mom would always say, you know, you can't compare yourself to other people. That's, that's not fair to yourself. You have to love yourself for who you are. You're never going to be someone else. So just be the best version of you and appreciate the best version of someone else. And they're just different. And that's great because you know, you want to be unique. And so I was always kind of, um, the friendly, like, I don't know. Good job. That was amazing. How did you do that? That was awesome. You know, and like, bravo. It was very excited for the success of my friends, especially. And it is a really difficult industry to do that because um, you are constantly being put up against your best friends for right. roles. And there's only one part or one opening night and you all want it. And when you don't get it and someone else does that you're good friends with or you're not, you will you know, like you could definitely fall into the category of like, well, you know, I'm jealous and I hate her, you know, kind of category. And that's just not right. And, and I always think that the one thing that female empowerment is missing is the fact that we, um, are always put up against each other, like as if, you know, who wore it best and, you know, like she's prettier than me, so I must not like her or, you know, she's going to probably steal my boyfriend or my husband or, you know, like we're always trying to, we're always being in these positions or being put in these positions. One up on one another. Yeah. Yeah. We're, and it's not like that at all in life and it really shouldn't be. And I think female empowerment is missing one ingredient and that is females supporting females. And if we could just realize that empowerment doesn't come from the opposite sex it like comes from our side then I think because that's kind of what guys do you know we see the the boys clubs and whatever those things it's it's a little bit more challenging when girls don't support each other and so I always like to focus on the fact that like I supported women always and I loved and was so grateful when I didn't get a role because to be honest looking back the role doesn't matter as much as your relationship with your colleagues and if you get a role that you aren't perfect for, it could actually ruin your career because people are actually seeing you doing something that you're not really that good at. And then they might not cast you in something that you could have been good at. So in that good industry, point. it's, it's really, it's tough to be in a position where you're, you know, you're always going to try and be a chameleon in an acting or a ballet wor- world role or something. But um, you know, you're always going to try and become the the perfect person for that part but really the casting directors will all tell you they cast people that are themselves generally so it's like acting is is um there are some character actors about like people like Meryl Streep who can play a bunch of different things but you see people like Jennifer Aniston she she that's her like she plays herself for the most part yeah and a lot of the things that she does so um casting is kind of mostly like that you know like the majority of of the things that I've done It's like I was perfect for the part and I didn't have to change. Good. That's good to hear. Well, I guess a little bit on the flip side, say you're a lead in a ballet and you're with a male and there's no chemistry or it's, you're finding it hard to kind of like, you know, bond on stage. Like what, what would that look like? Do you just fake it till you make it or... Yeah, you do. You just fake it to make it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being like, honest. Yeah. Oh God, you just have to fake it. And sometimes it's real hard. That's I'm a really good actress for some of the roles that I've done with the guys that I've danced with or something. And they're just awful. You're just like, fake it. You right. just have to fake it. Yeah. So do you watch any dance movies? 
Have you watched? Yeah, I mean, when I was little, I watched them all, and nowadays I don't like to watch it as much as do it. So I think that's the, that's been the evolution of my uh, watching <laughs> dance films. Okay, because I was gonna ask how accurate Black Swan is. Ooh, accurate is. It's not accurate because there's not one person with, all, well, there is one girl that I know, but I won't go into that. There's not one girl usually that has all of those problems okay. in one character, right? Like okay. it, they're spread out. It's like take Black Swan and just rip her up into a bunch of pieces and just like that's Amongst the ballet. It's like, yeah, and the one okay. little thing here and there. It can be pretty dark, but I always choose like the bright side of life because it was so much easier. It's the only way you can get through it. Otherwise it's just dark. And what would you say dance (laughs) brought you? Is it freedom, creativity, growth? I think growth because the, the freedom and creativity has actually become the biggest focus now that I'm um, a singer songwriter and I have the ballet and the Broadway behind me, the, the freedom and creativities is now like, I feel like I'm in the driver's seat of my career for the first time. And, or, or I guess a better metaphor would be I'm the artist, I'm the paint, I'm the canvas. And it feels so lovely to actually just have that freedom to do whatever I want on that piece of canvas. And, um, and as a, as a ballerina, as a professional ballerina, you're, you're, um, the, car but somebody else is kind of always steering it the way that they need it to be steered I mean it's like but you're what at the end of the day you are on stage by yourself you get the applause you get all the stuff but you're doing someone else's choreography you are dancing someone else's um you know storyline or singing the lyrics from someone else and so it's not really yours but you make it your own that's that's part of being an artist in that world but I think the growth I couldn't have done what I'm doing now if I hadn't had that experience yeah so growth well said well said so let's move on to Broadway talk yes how did you make it to Broadway take us through okay so the Broadway world was it was eight years before I made it to Broadway this is this is how I'm going to set the story I had audition with or I had to audition with San Francisco ballerinas for this role in American Oh my God, in West Side Story Suite, not American Affairs, um, in West Side Story Suite, which is a shortened version of West Side Story. And I, I guess there's only one role that really had singing in it. It was the Anita role. So it was like the um, America song, which is super fun. And um, they had everyone audition for this role and I ended up getting it and I got to do opening night and I got this huge standing ovation and the original from the movie like was there and it was just like amazing that's to, like, incredible have this like oh my god I can sing I guess like it was so crazy because breaking the silence as a ballerina was just frightening on so many levels and and then when it went well I was kind of like oh my gosh wait this is this this could be like everyone's just like we're gonna lose her to Broadway and I was still I was 19 I think and I was like no you're not losing me to to Broadway because I knew it wasn't a revolving door it was like if I leave to go to Broadway I'm never going to come back to do ballet and there's so much more I want to do in ballet so I was like like, not not yet yeah (laughs) it's not it's not like I was gonna do that that thing like there was a new an exit door and there wasn't an entrance so I was like I'm I'm staying in here so um that night in the audience this choreographer director um Christopher Wielden was in the audience and when he was when he was casting the show on Broadway for American in Paris he remembered that night and asked me to be in the show like it was it was really cool to kind of because those eight years before 
the show on Broadway opened. So he basically remembered, like, so my audition was, you know, eight years, I guess. But um, so, wow. so when it actually happened, they called me um, to audition for the lead. And I was like, yeah, all I have to do is learn a French accent. Yeah. Like, uh, no, I didn't take any real acting lessons. I didn't really prepare for this. I was like, all I have to do is just stand here and read lines and sound French. And that was, I already have the ballet. I, I look kind of like Leslie Crone. So I'm like, I'm just going to get the part. It's great. And I didn't. And, um, and they- Is that a hard pill to swallow? No, because I didn't know I didn't get it. It was like, they just don't tell you on Broadway when you don't get something. They just don't call you. And so I was like, oh, they'll call. And I remember being like, when I get the lead on Broadway, I'm going to buy myself a Chanel bag. Or like when I perform on Broadway, I'm going to buy myself a Chanel bag because it's French and da, da, da. And, um, and then I didn't get the part, but I didn't know that. And so I emailed the casting director and I, I asked her if I you know, I was getting the part and she was like, well, we're kind of considering you for the ensemble. And I was like, no, I'm not leaving for an ensemble part. I said, no. And I was still expecting the lead to happen. And she was like, well, like a month later, something was like, well, we already cast the lead. So, you know, that's, that's fine that you don't want to be in the show. And I was kind of like, yeah, that's fine. You know, like, oh, I don't know. So I tell my, my um, master Yoda massage therapist who has these like one-liners sometimes that are just amazing. And I told him about the Chanel bag. It's like, well, when I get to Broadway, I'm going to buy this Chanel bag. He goes, live as if you've already achieved your, your dreams. And I was like, so you're telling me like to go buy that Chanel bag. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, sure, whatever. That's your interpretation. Okay. So, um, so I went out, went, I found it online. I ordered the Chanel bag. The day that the Chanel bag came in the mail, I get a call and an email from the casting director asking me to be in the show. Um, I was the last person that they were casting in the show because they needed ballerinas. And she was like, this was like a hard sell for her. It's really sweet of her to even do this. But she's like, I've worked on so many shows. She's the top casting director in New York. Like she's, she's insane. Wow. And I had no idea what I was doing. So I was kind of like playing hard <laughs> to get. And I'm so stupid for that. But, um, but so the casting director's like, this, this show is going to be so spectacular. It's taken us two years to cast it. You're our last person. We need you because we need a ballerina who can sing. And the music like director just saw your vocal tape and was pissed at the director for not showing this to us sooner. Like, and so it was really funny. So she, she's like making this hard sell. And I was kind of like, well, I, I, today's like first day back in the ballet. I'm not sure if I can get out of my contract. She had the director call me. And while I was on the phone with the director, my Chanel bag arrived in the mail and I accepted the role on Broadway. It was Wait, like so did the you get coolest the thing ever. I did not get the lead yet. So I got okay. the, I was in the original ensemble, which was awesome. It was like the easiest, amazing transition ever for me. Like to, okay. to take, I took a leave of absence from the ballet. I could come back if I wanted to, which, you know, uh, I'll, t I'll get to that in a second, but okay. I did the opening in Paris and then we did it in New York and it was like just dreamy. The whole thing was amazing. And then I got the lead, uh, understudy, um, halfway through the run or something and that's when I was about to go back to the ballet. And I was like, you know what? I'm loving Broadway. I want to do the lead. And I ended up staying on Broadway um, and, and left the ballet because I wanted to do the lead role on, on Broadway, which I did, which is really cool. Wow. 
So how long was that duration of time from you going from the ensemble to the understudy till finally getting the the lead? Because if you went back to the ballet, you wouldn't have got the lead, right? So no, yeah, it was, um, it was when we opened was in, I think, April of 2000, it was four years and we closed 2015, maybe? No, 14, 2014, I think. I'm really bad with dates these That's days. That's okay. It was a while like ago too. So you're probably yeah, like... exactly. I know. I'm like, it was 2014. It's all a blur. <laughs> yeah, it's all a blur. But I think it's 2014 is when we opened. And then we closed in 20, uh, I want to say 16. And um, and I did it towards the end of the run. So it was like a long run. I mean, like we did, we did like 700 shows before I got the lead role. <laughs> like wow. It was like a lot. So... <laughs> Clarification on one part. So when um, you're waiting for the call and they called you to offer the ensemble and you accepted, but you didn't get the lead, was that just as good of a part? Or like it was because it was the okay. original cast is always huge because then when they do it on okay. tour or something, it's always going to be your part. And it, he, the, okay. the director, he's so amazing at um, getting the best out of people and like highlighting that. So every single person in the show had their like strengths and he would like put that in the front of the show in certain parts. And so you had like these little, you know, moments where you could really shine and then he'd give that to everyone. So it was really special to actually be in the original production. It was so fun. Oh my so God. Very was very different. I was gonna. It seems like the the dynamic was very different from the yeah. Like, well, going such from, refreshing. Yeah, so refreshing, and like the dynamics of going from the silent world of ballet to the loudest world ever. It was like just so great. It opened up a whole can of worms, and you know now I can't shut up. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what was your schedule like being a Broadway performer now compared to the ballet? It was interesting at the beginning. The rehearsal schedules are are kind of rigorous. Um, like right before you open the show, there's like this thing, I think they call it 10 out of 12, 10 days in, uh, of 12 hours a day. And it was, no one told me about that before. I mean, not that I wouldn't have signed my contract, but like it just no preparation. I was like, you're kidding, right? Like no one would ever work 12 hours a day. That's ridiculous, especially dancing and like acting and stuff. I'm like, yeah, right. And then no, we 10 out of 12, 10 days of 12 hours a day. And I've done that a few times in my career now, and it is always hard. Seems no very draining. Like, yeah, it's exhausting, and you're, it's no, it's it's just the show itself is so physically demanding, and then the theaters are different. So, the show, just doing the show is hard, but like, then you have stairs to get from the dressing room to the stage, and there's no crossover, so you can't stay on. So it was. It was a lot of stairs, 38 flights of stairs. There's spiral metal stairs oh per God, show <laughs> and quick changes that were so fast and stressful because there's, um, it's not just your quick change. There's other people quick changing and there's costumes um, flying around, but then there's um, set pieces that could murder you like and roll over your feet while you're changing. Like so many so elements. Many, like looking and changing. Oh, and, and there's always new people backstage that kind of like, cause it was fast moving show. So it was like, if there's someone new, it's like, watch out for the new person. Cause it's like, you could die. Like it was so <laughs> bad. Oh my God. You could die. You could die. It was insane. So, so yeah. using your voice a lot, uh, being on Broadway, were you like drinking a lot of teas now? And like, yeah. like instead yeah. of 
taking yeah. like you're taking care of your physical health like you were saying for the ballet but now you have a whole other I, ball game to deal with I didn't know how to breathe it turns out so I ended up oh. going to an acting class and she goes you're not breathing properly and I was like well maybe it has something to do with being like a fat ballerina who was wearing like corsets that All were way life. Too yeah <laughs> so I was like we're chest breathers we're not like belly breathers and she's like well if you're a chest breather you're gonna dry out your throat that's why you're losing your your voice all the time and um and I was always hoarse I always sounded like I had a cold kind of because it was just like a lot of singing I was breathing incorrectly I was dancing still so you have to engage your core but there's a way to learn how to breathe to do all of the above to like hold your core still belly breathe wow it was crazy so I ended up taking Alexander technique classes and I'll never forget calling my mom like mom I just paid someone $80 to teach me how to breathe. Like, am I getting duped? <laughs> it's like, oh my God, what just am happened? I getting duped? Oh, so I definitely, um, you know, my Alexander uh, technique teacher was amazing and just helping me learn how to breathe, which helped me learn how to sing. And then I had singing coaches that were helping me through all of that as well. And it was just, it was amazing. Yeah, the the learning how again, being a dry sponge in life, just always wanting to learn more, you know, it's really important. And how many years, sorry, were you on Broadway again? It was like three years total. Okay. And that one toured yeah. around the world as well. Well, I didn't do the tour. I can't imagine doing the tour, the girls and guys that did that tour and they traveled on their day off. Like I just can't, it was so hard it already. So, um, so yeah, I did not do the tour. I just okay. did New York. So what is it like being a singer and songwriter? Oh, it's so inspiring and empowering. Like just you get inspired by everything, first of all. And now that I'm in control of it, it's empowering. So it's really like up to me. If it is to be, it's up to me. And I, um, you know, becoming Empress was really cool as well because it was, uh, it was just learning how to be the ruler over my own life and the creator of my own happiness and not worrying about what other people thought or what other people's tastes are. And they're, you know, just kind of finding my own. So is that and, how you came up with the name? Yeah. Okay. And it was, it was like the self coronation, if you will. And it was like, you know, there's so much insecurity that goes within a crown. And I know because I've worn a million of them in my careers. <laughs> um, but it's really interesting because when when you look at like a crown that a king and queen wears, it's given to them by a kingdom. So the king and queen do not own it and it's going to be given to the next person after they're gone. So there's always this insecurity because they don't own it. Everyone needs something from them. They're always like, you know, kind of having to point outwardly and, and it's never like internal right? Um, empowerment and like strength. And there's just, you know, if someone's, we've seen it in history off with their head and then it's like onto the next head. So it's just really interesting to kind of think about how different the world would react if everybody just owned their own crown and right. wore, like, and crowned themselves. And, and so I kind of wanted to, to take this approach with Empress and just be like, you know what? I don't need to worry about anything else. I am the creator of my happiness and I am like all the gemstones that I've gathered throughout my careers, you know, um, I can kind of put them in one place and like take away the label of being just a ballerina or just a Broadway actress or just a singer songwriter. I just could like kind of build my own empire around all the things that I know and kind of create my own space. And so um, if I could inspire other people to do that too, it's like, that's awesome. Even one Absolutely. person. So 
what was I going to say? <laughs> I just like lost my train of thought. Um, no, that's great. Why are you starting your own lep- leopard <laughs> record label to support? <laughs> I just like merge words, a leopard uh, record label <laughs> to support women in music. Well, I figured that empowerment doesn't come from the opposite sex. It comes from within. Right. You did and, mention that. And, but that, that was kind of like the main, like, ugh, it was just, there's not very many of, of the record labels out there run by females, A. Um, and then supporting females. So if you look, you know, online and you see all of these record labels now that they're starting to pop up that are female run, it's like they're the predominantly men on the record label. And so I kind of wanted to make a place for Empress, first of all, like build a, an, um, you know, record label that would support me so that I could be the guinea pig and like figure out what we, what I needed to create like the art that I wanted to to create and then um, take that formula and just kind of give it to other women in music. And it's not to exclude men. It's just to kind of start supporting women and kind of paving that path, you know? Yeah. I feel like that is so good of you to, to take that, to take that on because I feel like there definitely is a gap in the record label market, if you want to say in that area. Yeah. And females are like, we love listening to women, you know, in music, but you know, it's just, it's a, it's harder to get into. There's less support. And then there's, there are the sharks, you know, there's a lot of guys that will take advantage of a young woman and that just isn't okay in a lot of ways. And so kind of being there for women in music is like, that was, that was my main focus. And when did you start thinking about doing all this? Was this when you were done the ballet and Broadway or yeah. kind of floating around your head beforehand? Good question. Yeah, this is all, this has all been like in the past three years, I would say. Okay. So like when I left the Broadway show, I slept for like six months. I was so tired all the time. I was like, oh my God, you so tired. You deserve it. <laughs> I know. It was like really, I had a friend that like took me out to lunch one day and it was, I was like, I just woke up and he goes, you need no, you need to start waking up earlier. We're going to, you have to do something. I was like, yeah, but I'm so tired all the time. He's like, you've had six months. You're fine. Like, stop. Like time like, to get back into it. <laughs> yeah. Something. But it was funny because I was already doing music, like the crossover before I left Broadway. That was already a crossover. But um, the, yeah, it was just interesting because the evolution of turning into Empress was like, I don't know, it's the past couple years. And then when I when I dream, like when I was seven, I dream like that at first where it's super broad strokes. And then I start getting in now that I've learned how to actually like, I have like a formula of dreaming is like, oops, um, is essentially to dream big and then ask yourself if you're dreaming big enough and then edit as you go so that it gets clearer and clearer and clearer. Because if you don't have like a crystal clear vision of your goal, then how are you going to find it? And how are you going to achieve that? And I've always achieved everything, but like that I've set my mind to. But the thing is, is that once I got there, sometimes it wasn't what I thought it would be because I dreamed about it when I was seven and I didn't know about politics and the, you know, weight, right. and all of these things. So, so knowing what I know now, I, I, now I dream and I let it be vague and like really flowy at first. And then I start getting it into like more of a structured, like, okay, well, what does that actually look like? And, and if I joined a record label, would I have the freedom to, to, you know, like I want to have freedom in this industry and I wanted to make sure that I didn't do the same things that I did in the past that didn't work for me. 
so so yeah so creating this um, record label was an accumulation of the past couple years of just asking myself am I dreaming big enough and what is the record label called Stardust World Productions I love it yeah I just love the the idea of like like we're all stardust which is kind of a unique idea anyways is that everything's just sort of like vibrating atoms and and it's no different than stardust and so each one of us has a little piece of stardust in us so i thought that was cool creating our own world have you already signed people i have not i'm still the only one so it's still new you know it's new enough and we need to build empress built up and have the right team and everything before i can kind of really feel like i can give, give something that would be meaningful to another artist Okay. So when did you start writing music? I started writing when I was four, like four years old on the piano, just the piano. And then, you know, all the lessons and things, I was just like, I learned how to, to kind of sight read and do musical theory and stuff, um, from my Mary Poppins teacher. And then I, um, started writing with lyrics after I learned I could sing because I didn't know I could sing. I had never sung before the um, West Side Story suite at the ballet. Um, Yeah, that was, I had never sung Happy Birthday in front of my family. Like it was, it was crazy. So once I did that, I broke that ice. uh, I started writing music with lyrics and then that became my, I was a closeted singer songwriter for years because I didn't think anyone would ever understand my lyrics and once I started playing it for a couple people, they were like, they understood it. And it was like very empowering for me to just be like, oh, I'm not the only one who feels this way about things, you know, anything. And, and, um, and so just sharing it has become like a new, that's, it's very new, to be honest. Like I really wasn't a singer songwriter until the past like five years or so. Wow. So do you have your own vocal coach and everything? I did in New York. I haven't been seeing them, obviously. With I mean, the pandemic, I'm sure we could do online stuff, which is fine. But for the most part, I had like four years of vocal training, like a couple times a week. So, and different teachers, like a very Broadway teacher, like Broadway oriented teacher who just teaches you like the best technique, but it's not as helpful sometimes in the, in the musical theater. Right. Um, or sorry, in pop music, <laughs> musical theater is just so different than then pop. So, um, so then I started seeing a vocal coach who sees a lot of celebrities in the pop music industry. And like who? Uh, I can't say she's under an NDA, but like, okay. It's a she. That's yeah. good enough. It's a she. <laughs> <laughs> she's relevant to today's day and age. I, she is okay. very much so. Yeah. I mean, you very could, cool. just, you'd name anyone and I'd be like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, oh, okay, anyway. cool. 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 Yeah. But she's under NDA. Like I know only because, you know, I'm, I've been going to her forever. We gossip all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I lost my train of thought again. It was about singing. Oh, you're Mary Poppins teacher. Do you still talk to her to this day? Oh my gosh. I have been trying to get in touch with her. She's not on social media at all, but her daughter is. I know. She's so old school. I love her to death. We used to do these like fun little, um, she'd like make these little bows and things and put them on kites for like every hour that we'd practice. Like, it was so cute. She's so adorable. Um, but I wrote her a love letter recently, like, cause it was her birthday and I found like out through her daughter, one. physical one. And I had to send it to her like old school snail mail. And yeah, she's still, she's still teaching and she's still doing it. And she's been 
the reason why I'm in music and why I feel comfortable right. you know, at a keyboard and I can speak the language and stuff. So it's really cool. Grateful for her. Pam. Oh, loved her. Pam, my heart. Pam. Um, <laughs> I have another music question. Nice. Oh, your, your genre. Your genre. Is it more yeah. pop? I would say it's pop. My producer is in the pop world. Like he is the one that it's hard to work around his schedule sometimes, but he Mm -hmm. does the vocal engineering for um, everyone. Like his vocal, his Grammy nominations are Beyonce and Justin Bieber. So like, if that gives you an idea of like who he's working with. So with, with that being said, he actually is an incredible guy that opens the door for women in the music industry and protects us. And like, really is just a great um, advocate for, yeah, he's just an amazing human being. I'm so grateful to work with him. So he's, um, yeah, he's pop and that's kind of the direction we've been going in. Um, which is super fun for me because I've never really been that cool, but like, I feel cool whenever I'm with him. (laughs) Yeah. I can can definitely take this lifestyle and this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So pop is the direction that we're headed. Okay. Would you be open to other of course. Yeah. Cause I love music. So it's, uh, you know, and the, the beauty of music is that, you know, pop is this huge platform. It's sort of similar to that tabletop of the ballet mm-hmm. world. So like, if you can do pop, then you can kind of like change it up and do like a country song here and there. And then like, you know, you have a hip hop track. Yeah. And it's like Taylor Swift like, started country, like her yeah. very, very early albums. And then now totally. it's pretty much pop. Yeah, and it's pop, and then it goes to, like, indie song or singer-songwriter. Like, her last album was so um, beautiful, but it wasn't, like, anything she's ever done before. So they can, you can kind of evolve from from wherever you've come from. Like, I started in the singer-songwriter genre, but I always wanted to be, like, in sparkly costumes with the big thing. And it just – that those don't fit, you know? Yeah, yeah <laughs> so, I get it completely. So it's like – so I'm going for pop because that's – it's you can do that the singer songwriter thing, but in a sparkly costume. <laughs> right. <hard>. Right. <laughs> um, so let's move on to your personal life a little bit. Yeah. So when did you meet your husband and how has he taken your whole artistic path and what does he do? Um, he's an attorney and oh, wow. he's amazing. I know it's like opposites attract, you know, and like he, he and I are opposites, but we, we come together so perfectly because we balance each other out. Um, we're like, I'd come home and be like, oh gosh, you know, I'd like, didn't do this turn right. And he's like, oh, and I wrote this horrible email and I'd, we'd just like laugh at each other. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. So it keeps you kind of balanced. And, um, I met him at the opening night of the ballet, um, 10 years ago. And I saw him from across the room and I literally like looked at my girlfriend and I was like, all the, all the good guys are taken at these things. We're not, we're never going to meet someone like him. And I pointed at him and then our, our groups collided. And this is funny. He was with a girl in a red dress and I was like, yep, see, told you, you know, like that's how it happens. Everyone comes with a date, even if they're not serious and you're not going to meet a guy at these things. So I was dressed up in a gown. He's in a tuxedo. He looked so handsome. And, um, at some point our groups really collided, uh, in the smaller, like there were different rooms in the, the, um, we do it in the city hall. So there's all these little pockets. So our group, our group collided and, um, my, uh, my now husband, he like turned around with two glasses of champagne. And I was like, 
oh, like my heart melted. And I remember just talking to him for a little while, but I was like, oh, I can do the math. Like he's two glasses. It's not one. Right. So, and he's not giving one to me. So let's let him go back into the sea, you know, like, so I go, Hey, do you need to get that to your girlfriend before it gets warm? Super blunt, of course. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, uh, um, well, I'm not, no, she's not my girlfriend. And I was kind of like, I mean, as of now, like now you're just being a jerk. So get out of my way. I just want to get my champagne and move on with my life because I can't have you. And, and he like motions towards her and then like, he, he like gets stuck, like looking over towards the corner and I kind of like follow his glare, his glance. And, um, and I turn around and my best friend, Luke was making out with the girl in the red dress. And I was like, oh, they really aren't dating. Like this is, this is like, he wasn't lying. Okay, great. So I think I took the glass of champagne out of his hand. I was like, cheers. <laughs> and it was like forever, you know, that was amazing. And then I love that story. I know. And then cherry topper on all of it. Luke came out of the closet like a week later. So if it had happened like a week earlier, he would have been gay by then and he wouldn't have been trying to make out with this girl. And I might've never had my husband because I would have just assumed that that was his yeah. girlfriend. Yeah. And they were best friends. I have to tell you about the girl in the red dress because she is now one of our best friends. Love her to death. She had just broken up with her boyfriend, asked another friend who wasn't in town who said, hey, call Rob. And Rob like was the, you know, He's like, yeah, sure. I'll go with you. You know, it's like she had an extra ticket. It was easy. It was a big oh, group of so friends. Oh, so it was one of those. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I was wrong. I did find a man of my dreams at those things. And oh, we lived forever. You know, was this ever. after the ballet? Like after. How did, okay. This is like an after party. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. No, cool. I wouldn't be drinking champagne before a performance. <laughs> I didn't think so. But I was like, lost in the translation of, did you guys all like change out of your ballet outfits and then go yes. put on like yes. cocktail up? Well, not cocktail outfits, but you know, like mm-hmm. totally. Up, it was like gowns. the opening night gala. It's super fancy. We're like these gorgeous gowns and everyone's all like dressed up and it's gorgeous and fancy and stuff. And so it was literally like meeting my Prince Charming at a ball. That is so sweet. <laughs> so like you guys have been together ever since then. Yeah. Yeah. It was like right when I met him, I was like, yeah, he like checks all the boxes and, and not only that, but he's more, he was just the best person I've ever met. And he's my best friend and he's my husband and oh, God, oh, I'm going to get teary eyed and I don't even know him. <laughs> Or what your relationship is like, but I can imagine it's no, literally like a Disney best. movie. Yeah, no, he really is. And he's so supportive. And like when when I was thinking about going to Broadway, it was like, um, I remember him saying, because I just felt really weird about it because we'd just gotten married and I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm moving to New York and what are we, what's going to happen to us? And uh, he was like, you have to go. This is your, this is like, I'm here to support you. We're fine. So he was traveling, commuting back and forth from like San Francisco to New York. For you? month for me for like years it was so nice I mean like never complained about it once god if I did that trip one time I'd have been like you know how much I love you (laughs) (laughs) yeah women I mean it was it was rough I can't believe I mean he'd do some red eyes he'd send me red roses every weekend the girls in the dressing room would be like seriously he's perfect you know I'd be like yeah but he's I never see him so I miss him so he brings me flowers you know task rabbit or something it was so cute um cute so he never moved from city to city kind of staying in one spot and would just visit you kind of both like he lived in both places but he had to be in san francisco for work and i had to be in new york for work and so we just made it work we had this deal where it was like 
hey, we never go to bed without calling each other and saying goodnight. We had like the Life360 app so we could see where we were all the time to make sure we were safe and everything. And like, we just communicated a lot. It was like actually a really fun time in our marriage because we like, we were forced to go from, you know, like I love hugs and I love like, I mean, I'm a dancer. So physicality is like one way to show love, but verbal, like to actually talk and be like, connected through memories of just like talking to each other all the time that was kind of special and then when I'd see him it was like you know so excited so that's nice to have a little absence makes the heart grow fonder kind yeah. of yeah you know yeah I agree with that so, and that's good um how long have you been married for we've been married for eight years now which is so great it's wow. been really fun yeah oh my heart <laughs> um okay which, this is going to be a hard one, but which profession, I can't even ask you which one your favorite one was, but oh, like yeah. between Broadway which, and the ballet. Oh, I think, well, between Broadway and the ballet, I think I had more, oh God, that's really hard actually. Yeah. Cause there's ups and downs for both. So Would you I'm have like, said one maybe earlier in your life and now? Yeah. Like I could only have done ballet when I did ballet. If I had done them in reverse, it wouldn't have happened. I just couldn't okay. have done it it was just so physically and mentally demanding in the ballet but um and Broadway was just physically demanding and not as mentally and emotionally draining it was like it was just beautiful I don't know I loved Broadway Broadway was so fun but ballet was um a dream come true so there's like and Broadway was too but but you know becoming like a ballerina and your favorite ballet company was like kind of a big deal Sure. I had no idea what I was doing on Broadway. And after, now that I look back, I'm like, wow, we, like, we were nominated for, like, 12 Tony Awards. Like, we had, and we won a bunch. And, like, it was, it was, like, the whole, it was just a whirlwind. We had celebrities coming every night to see our show. And, like, it was just amazing to, like, be a part of a production that was so well received on Broadway. Because that doesn't happen Absolutely. all the time. But I didn't know that that didn't happen all the time. So, so there's that. Um, what performers or choreographers have been the most influential to you over your career? Christopher Wielden was huge for me because I danced with him for 11 years of the ballet years. And then I did the Broadway show. And then I did another show with him called Brigadoon. And like, it, he's just always been the one that like clicked with me and I clicked with him and his style and everything. So I think Christopher Wilden is like the best um, choreographer in the world, in my opinion, because he's so musically oriented and he's so um, good at, he's got the best eyes, great at storytelling. He's just um, really an artist. And I'm really grateful that I got to work with him, um, you know, for so many years, like 15 years or something crazy. So uh, super grateful for Chris. And then the biggest opportunities I had was with this guy, Val Canaparoli, and he always put me in the lead roles in his ballets. And that's what helped me get seen for other things that I, you know, like, so you always have to give thanks to the ones that like saw you before anyone else did. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? so, Those yeah. are both really good answers. Yeah. Um, What's the most common misconception about dancers um, that you think people had? If it was like uh, food related or if yeah, it was food like, related. Yeah? It's definitely food. It's like we'd make jokes sometimes. Like my husband and I would be like, 
oh, she eats anything she wants on Tuesdays. And like, we would laugh and everyone would be like, is she serious? And we're like, no, no. (laughs) Like, no, it's not. No, we're making light of this. It's like, because everyone just assumes that I have an eating disorder always. They're like, oh, she's so awful. Yeah. It's just, and a lot of them do, but I didn't. And I'm really proud of that. And I you know, I know it's not something to make fun of, but when you, when you survive that world, you have to find some happy, like some laughter Absolutely. in the pain because it's just, otherwise you will not survive. So with saying that, what's your guilty pleasure for food? Ooh, definitely. Um, I would say cheese and mm. wine. What kind of cheese and what, what kind of wine? <laughs> okay. So I am a big fan of raw cheddar cheese. They yeah. have it like Oh God, it's so good. It's like whole milk, raw milk cheese. Oh my God, it's the best. That was like my guilty pleasure when I was a raw foodist too. I was like, hey, it's still raw. Like, it's great. It's got all the the um, enzymes and things. It's probably not the best for me in like the consumption that I have, like the proportions. Maybe. <laughs> but um, but okay. So there's that. And then wine. I love anything wine or champagne. I'm more of like, I've switched to be more of a white rosé drinker, which is interesting because I was only red for so long. And then I realized that my teeth were not getting cute, you know, and like, I think that switched. <laughs> it's like, Do you get them whitened? Teeth. I, I whiten them like a couple times a year, but like, yeah, it was, it was like purple teeth just are not cute when you're out to dinner or something, you smile and you're like, oh no. <laughs> Oh God. So yeah. That anyway. is so funny. Um, did you ever consider another career not in the creative field at all? Yeah, I did. I think I would have been an astrologist or like wow. not an astrologist, but like actually study, I don't know, study the universe. And like, I definitely have always loved, we always had an outdoor um, hot tub in Tahoe and it's so high. The elevation isn't like ridiculously high, but it's like seven or 8,000 feet. And or maybe six, six to 7,000 feet, somewhere in there. And um, we'd just lay out in the hot tub and just like look up at the stars. And as a kid, I was just like, that is the most, like you could never get tired of looking at the stars. And I kind of wish I knew what I was looking at. And, you know, just like looking through telescopes a few times in my life, I'm like, yeah, I could totally do this. This is something that I'd love to study. Interesting. Interesting. Maybe that's how I came up with Stardust World. I was just going to say that. I was like, (laughs) there has to be some correlation there. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway. (laughs) Um, What are, I feel like I already asked this one, but some mistakes that you've made earlier in your career that you feel like you've um, learned from it or would go about differently in the future? Let's see. I would say, oh, I thought about a really good answer to this once. And I was like, oh, I should remember this because this will come up someday. And I knew, you know, at some point it would. And now I, it's like gone. Um, mistakes that I've made was um, probably, mm, it's really funny because I actually feel like I'd choose, not choose. I was born with this, like this thing that my dad gave me, it's called loser's amnesia. And I forget all of the mistakes I make, (laughs) which might not be a good thing, but my dad will literally like, we'll be playing tennis or something and he'll lose badly and he'll, but he'll come home and he'll be like, God, I played so good today. And you're like, what? No, you lost. Like it was really bad. But he's like, yeah, but my shots were amazing. So I feel like we all grew up with this and now it's become my, my thing too. I'm like, yeah, no mistakes. 
I didn't make any mistakes. Like there were no mistakes. Everything was meant to be, there were, um, there were paths that I chose to take that I'm proud of now and they made me who I am now. So yeah, I guess the best answer is that I have loser's amnesia and I don't remember any mistakes that I've made. Okay. <laughs> Might okay. not be a good I'll thing. take it. <laughs> uh, are there any other hobbies and interests that you have? Yes, I would say I love playing um, pickleball. I love like, have you ever played pickleball? No, but I know what it is. I only found okay. out what this was like recently in the last couple of years. So fun. It's everything I always wanted tennis to be. You can just whack the ball. It's a wiffle ball. So it never goes out. It's amazing. So pickleball has been amazing. And um, my, my hobbies, I guess, are taking walks and gardening these days, which is fun. Okay. Some nice COVID safe I know, activities. Right? God, totally. I'm like, I should be learning a new instrument or something, but no. Are you still <laughs> playing the piano? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what's next for you? Uh, we are releasing, okay, we, myself and I, um, Empress is releasing. Me, myself and I are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm releasing a bunch of new music and um, music videos coming out in November, which I'm super excited about. And I just like want to start getting, just releasing more. I've been, I think this, this time, especially this year, we've been just accumulating so much um, artistic content. And so, so I'm excited to like kind of give it to the world. You know, I'm a perfectionist. So I have to wait until it's like, right. And I've thought about Absolutely. it and had time to listen a million times. And then it's like, okay, I'm ready. Yeah. You know? And it's like, I put wait. the people say I'm way too precious with it, but I think it's once it's out, it's out forever. And you know, you're kind of, that's it. So, um, so yeah, so I'm excited to release some new music. That's good to hear. Yay. Uh, so the last question that I usually ask is, are you happy with the direction of life taken? Like the path you have been on this far and you, you're trekking forward. That's such a beautiful question. Yes. I am so grateful for everything that's happened, all of the good and bad, everything that now, now that you have more perspective, like when it happens to you, sometimes you have no perspective on it, but then once you have a little distance from it, you can see it clearer. And I'm really grateful for all the ups and downs that I've had. And yes, I'm really happy to be on this path and it's a chosen path, but it took me a while to choose it. So yes. Wonderful. <laughs> Well, do you have anything else to add? Uh, I guess just if you um, want to talk with me about anything that we just talked about, find me on like social media or something on empress.music is my Instagram handle. You can find me on YouTube so as people Empress. Can DM you. Yeah, exactly. Like if you have any questions about point shoes or what it's like on Broadway or what I eat on a daily basis or what music I'm releasing next or whatever, just reach out to me and DM me on my social media because I love to hear from people and help people in things that I wish I could have helped myself in, you know, when I was there. Right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you were all able to take something away from Shannon's incredible journey. Don't forget to check her out on all social media platforms and I'll see you guys in the next episode.